Thanks so much, Daniel. So my name is Ken Forsyth. I'm an elder here at Solid Rock. Uh, I am not Jason Williams. We got a call about five o'clock yesterday evening and Jason is sick and uh, unable to be here today. So if he's watching this morning, I do want to do this. We're just gonna stop and pray for him in just a moment. I know he will not like that, <laughs> but uh, I know that he would be here if he could, and he had such a high desire to be here, and uh, just hopefully within the next couple of days he'll be back on his feet, and everything will go well according to the Lord's will. So let's just stop and pray for Jason. He's our lead teaching pastor, and uh, is so gifted in that, and uh, we will miss him today for sure. So let's pray for him. So, Father, thank you that we can pray for Jason, just lift him up. Father, we know that things come about, that illness comes, and Father, suffering comes, and uh, we know that uh, Jason's heart is that he would be here with us today. Uh, but, Father, we just, uh, we're thankful in the fact that he can, can be at home, and he can be resting, and he can be replenishing his body as uh, only you can do that. Father, we just pray for him and lift him up and lift up his family as they minister to him. And Father, as we pray for him, because we know that you hear, hear our voice and you hear our cry, that you will just heal him quickly, that he might be ma uh, back amongst us and that he will be well. And we just pray all this in the mighty and precious name of Jesus. Amen. So with that little bit of sad news there with Jason, but good news because he is home resting. That's the good news. Uh, uh, we do have some uh, good news also. Uh, as you know, for about 17 months, uh, we've been in an uh, um, elder mentee program, and that is a progressive uh, program. Uh, not everyone goes along at the same pace, and there's different reasons for that, schedules and so forth. But uh, we have been, uh, we have two new, new elder candidates who are out of that process. And uh, they're after the first month into that process then we, according to our process, we let the church know. So those are, as you can see, Shane Bolter and his wife Kayla and the kids Bradley and Hallie and Jason Zetta with his wife Sheila and daughter C. So what we do at this time is we put those elder candidates up and we let you know about them. And if you have any questions or if you have any concerns about any of those candidates, we want you to bring those to the elders if you have questions or concerns. So bring those to the elders in that time. So it's a three-month process, and they're going into their second month, and that's where we're at. And I, I for one... I am very, very excited about this. So I don't know about you guys, but we could give them a hand if you wanted to, so. <laughs> so as uh, Daniel read, thank you, Daniel, for doing that. Uh, we had to do some switching and so forth, and it's not easy to do that. So uh, thank you, Daniel, for reading the scripture and praying for us this morning. But we're gonna be in Malachi chapter one. We're gonna be in verses six through 14. As we continue in Malachi, I just want to do a little introduction from last week. Uh, Jason started in Malachi, he started in chapter uh, 1, verses 1 through 5, and where God told Israel in verse 2 that he loved them. And certainly we can know that he loves us also. 
but they ask this question, when have you loved us? And this is kind of going to be a theme throughout Malachi where there, there's always a question, when have you done this? When have we done that? Not out of repentance for the nation of Israel, but more out of, uh, well, we haven't done that. So anyway, we'll see that as we go along today. But as we look at how God made known to Israel his love for them even before they existed, and Jason, last week we went into Deuteronomy, and I just want to read that. We don't have a slide for it, but Deuteronomy chapter 7, verses 6 through 8. God has called out uh, certainly their belief of his love for them. And Deuteronomy 7, verses 6 through 8 say this, For you are a people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for his treasured possession. Out of all the peoples who are on the face of the earth, it was not because you were more in number. And at this time that we're going into Malachi, they were small in number. Than any other people that the Lord sent his love on you and chose you. For you were the fewest of all peoples. But it's because the Lord loves you and is keeping the oath that he swore to your fathers that the Lord has brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of slavery, from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And we also looked at the fact that, that God has done the same for us. We looked at Ephesians in chapter 1, verses 3 and 4, and let me just read those as a reminder of what we looked at last week. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places even as he chose us in him, just as he chose Israel. He chose us before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him in love. So God loved Israel, and he's loved us even before we were born, even before we were adopted into this family of God. So we were, uh, Blake mentioned yesterday, we went to Blue Haze, and we were doing some landscaping and so forth, this community effort that we have and so forth and uh, Andrea was our is our mission coordinator and she uh I didn't ask her if I could do this I hope is she here so I hope it's okay so <laughs> it's all good so <laughs> but anyway she is with child and I was just noticing her yesterday and I noticed this about ladies with children always had her hand on her stomach and I thought she is doing that because she loves this child so, so much, even before the child is born. And that's what God is saying to the nation of Israel and to us. Even before we were born, he loved us. So, we don't normally do this, but I'm going to read the summary for today. If you go on solidrockchurch.tv and you look up sermons, then you will see this summary to sometime today and the summary talks about the message for today so I just want to read it when I was teaching I used to tell the, the kids I was uh, uh, teaching always read the question first so we're going to read the summary first so we know where we're headed this morning and it says this in this sermon we're going to look at Malachi 1 6 through 14 in which God rebukes the people of Israel for their insincere worship as God addresses Israel, he confronts the priest for offering defiled sacrifices and treating his name with contempt. 
God declares that he deserves better than their half-hearted offerings. It threatens to close the temple doors to do such offerings. This passage highlights the significance of sincere devotion and proper reference in approaching God in worship. And it goes on to say that in verse 9, God invites Israel to turn its face toward him in repentance, is what he's saying, that he might be gracious towards them. This is true of our worship today. God doesn't want us to just show up and go through the motions. And that's going to be pretty much the content of today's message. Our songs, our prayers, and our serving mean nothing if they are not rooted in honor and reverence toward God. As with Israel, God invites us to turn our faces toward him that he might be gracious toward us. So we're going to be in Malachi 1.6 to begin with, and the, the, God is going to be talking about his identity as a father. So let's read that. He says, A son honors his father, and a servant his master. If then I am a father, where is my honor? And if I am a master... Where is the fear? Says the Lord of hosts to you, O priests who despise my name, but you say, how have we despised your name? Again, there's no repentance in that statement. It's kind of like, well, we haven't despised your name. But if we remember back in uh, uh, chapter 1, verse 2, the nation said, how have we loved, how have you loved us? And it sounds like this theme is going to be going through here. How have you loved us? Uh, how have we despised your name? How have we polluted your table? And that's a constant throughout chapter 1, as we will see as we go through it. But God starts with his identity as a father. And we know that we're to honor our father. The scripture tells us that. But God is more than a father. I know that some of us here may not have a good relationship with our father but he is more than a father here's a list not exhausted by any means of some of the titles of some of the identity markers that God has he is a lord he is lord over all he is a creator he created the heavens and the earth he is king the scripture tells us that he is king of kings and lord of lords he is a good shepherd and a shepherd certainly takes care of his sheep. He is a savior. We know that Jesus died on the cross for us, for our sin, that we might not face the penalty of sin. But among all these identity markers for God, his most frequent, frequent identity in the Bible is Father. He says, I have loved you like a son, but you have not honored me as a father. And honoring him can be doing certain things, and certainly we're going to see those things in just a, just a moment. Jesus said this, you, can, you call me Lord, Lord, but you don't do the things that I ask you to do. So as we go through this today, 6 through 14, I hope that we will take a look at our own hearts, our own worship, of course, our worship encompasses our whole entire life. So in the first charge, God confronted their disbelief that God loved them. They said, well, how have you loved us? Now God is confronting them that it was them who stopped loving him 
not God. He did not stop loving them. They stopped loving him. And that's what he's confronting them with. As God confronts their insincere second-rate worship, and I love that, second-rate worship. And I think about my worship sometimes. I think it's third and fourth-rate, just to be honest with you. But I want to be first-rate in my worship. And I hope today that you will also have that great desire in your heart. But he, is, he does so by exposing his heart's desire in their worship. What does God desire in our worship? And he says it in verse 6. He says, where is my honor? Where is the fear? And of course, we've talked about fear many times, and we'll take a look at that in just a moment. But this honor he's talking about, this has to do with being heavy. And I think about sometimes we get on, I got on the scale this morning. I was a little bit more heavier than I wanted to be. <laughs> but it's not that kind of heavy, of course. To be heavy, it's to be honored. Honors the idea of you carry weight in my heart. Not the burden of weight, but the value of the weight. And think about that for just a moment. This weight is not a burden, it's a value, it's the value of it when we honor God. It's weighty, it's serious, it matters. Our worship, our honor to God matters. We don't come in and worship, we don't live our lives flippantly, knowing that God is off somewhere else. He's always with us. And also this fear, God is telling them, he says, I can tell that I don't matter to you. And this is where he's going with these verses. Does God matter to us? This fear, we've talked about fear many times. It is awe-inspiring. It's reverence. It's to revere. It's to feel deep respect or admiration for someone. So we fear God in the right way. In just a moment, he's going to be talking about the fear that was instilled in us by man. This is the fear of God, to honor him, to be in awe of him. How does our lives go each day? Are we in awe of God? Do we fear him? Do we honor him? Even in the things that we say, in the things that we do, even in the things that we think. He is a, God is not upset that they aren't running the plays like he designed, doing everything perfect. Let me try that again. Perfectly. He is burdened because he doesn't matter to them anymore. Think about that. And I, you know, as I was going through that, I thought, does God matter to me? I asked myself that question. And he's saying, God does not matter to them. So he's writing these verses. They have lost their value and reference for him. Your worship reveals that I don't matter to you, God says. I love you, but you don't love me. And he's going to give some reasons why in the next verses. You know, many times I've heard that children do not honor their father and their mother. You know, and as I've said before, and I probably say it too much, I used to teach, and a lot of parents would say that. You know, I've probably seen it in my own life. Many of you have probably seen it in your own lives. But he's talking about the children of God. If you're in Christ, you're a child of God. And he's saying, do you honor me as a child of God if you're in Christ? 
So at the end of verse 6, he said, they say, how have we despised your name? Well, in verses 7 through 8, Malachi is going to write some of the reasons how they have. So let's read that together, Malachi 1, 7 through 8. By offering polluted food upon my altar, but you say, how have we polluted you? There's that question again. How have you loved me? How have we despised you? How have we polluted you? By saying that the Lord's table may be despised when you offer blind animals in sacrifice, is that not evil? And when you offer those that are lame or sick, is that not evil? Present that to your governor. Will he accept you or show you favor, says the Lord of hosts. So he's telling them, you're, when they did an offering, they were to offer an unblemished, a perfect sacrifice. But they were just taking whatever they could and offering it up. Certainly he's speaking to the priest here, but the priests were in charge and they were taking these animals. They were taking these sacrifices that were imperfect and they were dishonoring God by that. You're only willing to give me that which you did not want anyway. Think about that. Have you ever, ha ha have you ever given something to a charity or something like that? And you go in your closet or go in your cupboard and you just find the old, old stuff, even the stuff that has expired. You didn't want that anyway, right? And that's what God is saying to the nation of Israel. You're honoring me with things that you did not want anyway. If I have anything left, I'll give it to God, was kind of the attitude. If I have any time, then I left of all my worldly doings, then I'll give some time to God. Kind of the attitude that was going on with the sacrifice. Your worship isn't costing you anything, he says. If love doesn't cost something, it is cheap. And boy, when I read that, I was thinking through all the years of my life with my wife, and I thought, ooh, I've been pretty cheap sometimes, I can tell you that. And <laughs> sometimes I haven't, but I would have to say most of the time I have been. Worship that does not cost something is cheap. If you value me, it would be revealed in the value of the things you're willing to give up for me. What have you given to God lately? If we just think about that for just a moment. And that's what he's telling the nation of Israel. That's what he's telling the priest. What have you given to God lately? You would not give that to a human authority. You have put me under your human authorities. The governor and the things they were giving him were above what they were giving to God. And he said, I'm below those that you are giving to. I remember I was in the fifth grade and I had a crush on this girl and she lived across the creek. So that kind of sounds old school, doesn't it? Across the creek, but it was across the creek. And I wanted to give her something for Christmas and I had nothing. Malachi is going to talk about this in just a moment. He's going to talk about the fact that we even steal things and give it to God. Well, I had nothing to give, so I went into my sister's room. And I took something off her dresser. I thought it was perfume. 
So I'm going to steal something and give it to this person that I'm fond of, and that's just not good, let me tell you. <laughs> well, after Christmas, we get back to school, and this particular young lady tells me, she goes, why did you give me nail polish remover? <laughs> so, so I have been there. This did not cost me anything. I stole it, and so... I'm thankful that uh, I don't know that young lady anymore. I'm very thankful. <laughs> I'm very thankful for that. So, do you show the same love to God, the same sacrifice to God that you show to others? And that's what Malachi is writing to this nation, to these priests. That he is telling what God has said. They have broken God's law. They offered up sacrifices that were not proper sacrifices and we saw that in the last verses how have we broken God's law how have we offered up cheap sacrifices in Exodus 20 and 3 part of the Ten Commandments the Lord says this you shall have no other gods before me who is your God what is your God what is your idol is it a world of possession or the God of the universe who loved you before you were even born? We talk about this word love. It's a desire to seek the greatest good of the object of your love. And I want to repeat that. Love is the desire to seek the greatest good of the object of your love. You want the best for the one that you love. And of course they were giving what was left over they were giving what they did not want anyway when we think about our own lives are we giving God what we don't want anyway there's a currency of love it's measured in sacrifice in 1 John chapter 3 verses 16 through 17 it says this by this we know love that he laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers but if anyone has the world's goods and, he, and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? He gave the ultimate sacrifice for us. That's love. He wanted our best. And in John 15, 13, the scripture says this, Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. Our love towards others is measured by what we are willing to give up for them. What we are willing to sacrifice. I didn't really have to sacrifice anything when I stole that uh, polish remover. Except thinking about I was going to get caught, and I did. What have you sacrificed for God lately? Jesus said, to be my disciple... You must give up your life and follow me. We must give up everything to follow him. So let's move on to Malachi 9 through 10. And in this particular scripture, we're going to be talking about turning our face back to God, about repentance and what it means and how that we do that and what happens when we repent. We turn to God and he will blot out our sins. 
Malachi 1, 9 and 10 says, And now entreat the favor of God that he might, may be gracious to us. With such a gift from your hand, will he show favor to any of you? Says the Lord of hosts. On that, on that there were one among you who would shut the doors, that you might not kindle fire on my altar in vain. I have no pleasure in you, says the Lord of hosts, and I will not accept an offering from your hand. And this is kind of ironic because he starts out with this verse and now entreat the favor of God that he may be gracious to us. And if they continue these sacrifices the way they were, these blemished sacrifices, he's not going to accept those. But it's a cry for repentance is what it is. It's a call to repentance. The nation had turned its back on God. In fact, they did not even like sacrificing. They were upset about the blood. They were upset about the fat that was burned. And they were upset about just doing anything. And he talks about shutting a door here. They had door shutters. And they were paid to do that. And he said, if, it, if, if is anyone, just one who would shut this door, that these sacrifices would not be let in and the priest would not take them. They would not even shut the door unless they were paid for it. So it was all about selfishness and about gain for them. If there was only one who would shut the door. True repentance, not people-pleasing worship. And that's what they were doing. And I have to ask myself sometimes, am I doing this to please people or am I doing this to please God? In Psalms 51, David writes this beautiful, beautiful psalm about repentance. And we as the church, as the body of Christ, should heed it well. We should hear it well about repentance. He says this in Psalms 51, 15 through 17. O oh Lord, open my lips and my mouth will declare your praise. For you will not delight in sacrifice. That's what we've been talking about, this sacrifice, these blemished blind, sick, stolen sacrifices. I will not delight in sacrifice, or I would give it. You will not be pleased with a burnt offering. The sacrifices of God, hear this well, are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. Oh God, you will not despise. What a beautiful song for us to repent and go to when we have sinned against God and they have sinned against God and he's calling them out and asking them to, to repent and turn to him. If your spirit, is your spirit broken for God, do you have a repentant heart that longs for God? And that's what he's crying out for. Do you need to repent? Are you just, or do we come through life just flippantly Oh, well, God loves me, I'm okay. But yet God says, you're far from me. God says, I will not hear you if you have iniquity in, my, in your heart. Repent and turn to God that your sins will be blotted out. In Matthew 9, 13, says this, Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. For I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. He's calling us. Of course, he's talking to the Pharisees there. He's calling us into this righteousness, the righteousness of Christ. 
that he gives us so freely. God gives mercy to sinners. And that's what Jesus is saying. And Isaiah 29, 13 through 14 says this, And the Lord said, Because this people draw near with their mouth and honor me with their lips, while their hearts are far off. That's what the priests were doing. That's what the people of Israel were doing. And their fear of me, remember uh, verse 6, where's the fear? And their fear of me is, command, is a commandment taught by men. Therefore, behold, I will again do wonderful things with this people, with wonder upon wonder, and the wisdom of their wise men shall perish, and the discernment of their discerning men shall be hidden. It's about the heart, this love that we have for Christ in our hearts. It's not about being, having lip service. It's about having a heart for God. This worship that he's talking about is bestowing our highest adoration, reverence, and honor. And I want to read that again. It's bestowing our highest adoration, reverence, and honor. This is what it means to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, with all of your strength. It's living every day our lives to the honor of God. Sometimes I think about should I do this or sh should I do that? Really all I have to think is this going to honor God? Because that's what our lives should be. And it's a worship to God. What's in our hearts comes out of our mouth. Hopefully it is true worship in our hearts, a love for Jesus because he has loved us and forgiven us. It compels us to worship because all that he has done there's a great parable in Luke chapter 7 verses 41 through 47 actually a couple of stories in here we could preach on this particular verses for seven or eight weeks without a doubt but it says this a certain money lender had two debtors one owed 500 denarii which is I think about a half a penny and the other 50 when they could not pay, he canceled their debt, debt, both of them. He canceled it. Now, which of them will love him more? Simon answered, now Simon is a Pharisee, the one, I suppose, for whom he canceled the larger debt. And he said to him, you have judged rightly. Then turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet. And I want you to listen to what this woman does. This is true worship. This is an example of true worship. The Pharisee did not offer water for his feet. But she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. Worship. You gave me no kiss. But from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. Worship. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. True worship. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. Love compels us. God compels us to love him because of all that he has done for us because of who he is 
but he who has forgiven little loves little. Love is the desire to see the greatest good of the object of your love. The woman did that. God is gracious in forgiving our debt. Five and 50 denarii, they could not pay it. They were forgiven of their debt. We have been forgiven of the penalty of sin by Christ himself. He died on the cross for us that we might have life and we might have it more abundantly. Do you love our God a little or do you love our God? Not very much. It showed in our worship. The woman was forgiven and she worshiped the Lord in truth and spirit. But no matter what the nation of Israel does, God is going to be honored. And he tells us that in the last few verses that we'll be talking about. It's in Malachi 1, 11 through 14. God is going to be honored by all the nations. Of course, he's probably talking about the Gentiles, which is probably most of us in this room today. If you're not going to worship me, then all the nations are going to worship me. For from the rising of the sun to its setting, to its setting my name will be great among the nations. And in every place, incense will be offered to my name. And a pure offering... For my name will be great among the nations, says the Lord of hosts. But you profane it when you say that the Lord's table is polluted. And its fruit, that is, its food may be despised. But you say, what a weariness this is. And you snort at it, says the Lord of hosts. You bring what has been taken by violence or is lame or is sick. Remember the sacrifices. And this you bring as your offering. Shall I accept that from your hand, says the Lord? Cursed be the cheat who's cheating God, who has a male in his flock. They were required to bring male sacrifices. And bows it and yet sacrifices to the Lord what is blemished. Think about verses 7 and 8 when he answered the question. He's almost repeating the exact same things. For I am a great king, says the Lord of hosts, and my name will be feared among the nations. God will be honored and feared among the nations. He's saying, turn your face towards him that he may be gracious to you. If you're not going to honor me, all the nations are going to honor me. And certainly we're a result of that even today. That we need to honor God because he has given us hope and he's given us joy and peace. So this repentance we talked about just a, a little while ago, it's to make a change, it's to turn. I used to think about when I was in the military, I'd do an about face. It's to make a turn. I'm going in a different direction. I'm not living in my sinful ways anymore. Even though I sin, but there's this sanctification that Christ has given us, making, him, making us more like him every single day. It's to turn away from sin and turn towards virtue. It's not to turn our backs to, to God, but to turn your face towards God. And that's what Malachi was writing, what God was telling Malachi to say to the nation of Israel, to these priests. As you turn away from sin, you turn towards God. Repent and turn to God that your sins might be blotted out. 
Do you feel like your worship is sincere today? Only you can answer that. Are you just running the plays, going through the motions? Or is your love for God driving your worship today? Do we worship in our lives because of God? Or is it for selfish reasons? Remember the woman. She loved Christ dearly. Dearly, and she showed it. If you came in here today and you walked and you walked into this church today and you did not you do not love the Lord with all your heart, with all your mind and all your soul, you can. Because the scripture tells us to repent, to turn from our sin, and to turn to God. That our sins will be blotted out. And He will save us. And He will give us hope. And he will give us joy, a joy that passes all understanding that even in those storms of life, we can have a joy in our heart to know that he is on his throne because he is king, the scripture tells us. That he might be gracious to you. So I want us to think as we close today, I have four questions for you that uh, we'll put up on the screen in just a moment. But let's just stand by thinking about our own worship and our own lives. Are we giving God everything that we don't want? Or are we giving him the best? Because he is the best, you know, at everything. So let's start with question number one. And it says, how does Malachi 1, 6 through 14 challenge my own attitudes and actions towards worship when I read the scripture and we hear the scripture and we hear the message of Christ it always without a doubt and I don't like always never in those type of words but it always causes us to take action of some type always when we hear the word of God the second question is, does my worship express a heart fully devoted to God? Or am I guilty of going through the motions? And I certainly find myself that way sometimes. Sometimes on Sunday morning I'm thinking, man, let me just sleep in, you know. Sometimes when I'm living my life, and I want to follow God's way and not my way. And I just refuse to do it. Maybe it's in my marriage. Maybe it's just in the things that I do. But it's this encompassing things we do in life that honors God. It's not about works. We're saved by grace through faith. God has done all the work. And number three is, in what ways do I demonstrate reverence and honor for God's name in my daily life? Do I make decisions that honor God? And the last one is, am I willing to repent and turn my face towards God today? Maybe you're here and you're not a Christian. That certainly applies to you. Maybe you're here and you are a Christian. It applies to you also, just as it applies to me. When we need to repent and turn back to God, just as David did 
in Psalm 51. Let's close in prayer together. Father, thank you for your work. Thank you for Malachi, who uh, just as he spoke to the priest, as he spoke to the nation of Israel, God, the, the, your words. We're so thankful that your word is faithful, it's true, it convicts us, it gives us hope, it gives us joy, it gives us peace. God, so we thank you for your word. Father, help us to truly turn to your face. God, that you might forgive us of our sins where we have failed you. So Father, if, if we need repentance today, and we always do, Repentance is a continual, continual act to repent and turn to you every single day of our lives. Father, we thank you for everything that you do. We want to worship you because of who you are and because of the great and mighty things that you have done. Because you are deserving of everything, God. And you do sit on your throne because you are king. And you are king of kings and lord of lords. Thank you, dear Jesus, for the sacrifice that you have given us. And we pray it all in Jesus' name.